Welcome to the Strength Connection Podcast, a show to share stories, insights, and experiences in strength physically, mentally, and spiritually. I'm Michael Krukowski, host of the Strength Connection, and I'm so grateful that you can join me today. So in these episodes, I connect with some of the most inspiring and successful individuals to chop it up and learn from true life experiences that have helped them become who they are, the strongest versions of themselves. One of the greatest ways I've always learned the most important lessons is through stories. We all have them, and they make us who we are. So let's dive in. Here we go. What's up, guys? So I love when people take different passions they have and figure out a way to infuse them together. And that is what Anna Clark has done with Nexus Studios in New York City. Anna's a strong first kettlebell instructor as well as a master Pilates instructor and the founder of Nexus Studios. So as a professional dancer, Anna found her strength place with Pilates and yoga. Then after finding hard style kettlebell training, she found a way to weave all these modalities together for her community, which is a community of over 6,000 people. So an absolute blast of a conversation. Anna's so straightforward and to the point in how she views strength. I absolutely loved it. So with that, let's get right to it. Before we do, please show the support for the show. Make sure you subscribe and rate the podcast wherever you're listening. Also, check out our YouTube channel, The Strength Connection, for more. All right, your support means everything to me, guys. I sincerely appreciate you. Thank you very much. Now let's get on with the show. What's up, everybody? Welcome back. Anna Clark, thanks for joining me. It's nice to meet you. Hello. Thank you for having me. No doubt. Shout out to John Morgan. He got it. He told me about the work that you do with Nexa and, uh, you know, kind of following you. So I really appreciate you taking the time. This is going to be fun. Yeah. Big up, John. Thank yeah. you also for the recommendation, sir. He's awesome. Yeah. So Following in his footsteps, hopefully. No doubt. So how do you, how do you know, John? Do you guys do a, a cert together? We did a cert together. Yes. That's the only way I meet any, um, any, any boys in the fitness industry whatsoever. Okay. <laughs> we'll get into that later, but that's, uh, it's just because women dominate my, my side of the industry in the Pilates and yoga world. So it's, it's nice to have just male energy in the room in any facet, you know? Oh, there you go. Yeah. But the, we, I think he was in my SFG one and SFG two cert, which, which had quite a lot of people's pre COVID. So there might've been 200 people in that cert. Okay. And in a studio in New York City, that's yeah. um, it's no small order to stuff oh, yeah. that many people into one space. So that's awesome. Oh, I love yeah. I love big certs. It's so much fun. You get such an eclectic group of coming together. My first RKC was in 2010. So I think we had like 75, 80 uh, people that were going through and attending at the time. And mm-hmm. there was probably like another 25 instructors there. So it was over 100 people with it. So those big events are just it's it's definitely life changing. So you were at RKC, was that before um, Pavel switched over, started Strong First? Yeah, so I heard about all this type of work from like the FMS world with Brett Jones and Greg Cook. And then uh, Brett came and did a certificate, did a FMS level two at the place I was working at in my hometown. And he was a master RKC at the time, which was the original work that Pavel did. And we started Mm -hmm. chatting about it. And that's when... It was the RKC. And then I think it was 2012 was when uh, Pavel split and built Strong First from the RKC mm. and went into that world. So it's interesting because I I didn't go through SFG level one ever until I assisted just a couple of years ago um, ah. because, because we got grandfathered in when we went over to the other spot. So I saw the differences of how things were run from a decade, dozen years ago to now, because it was like militaristic back then. It was like, you it heard evolved like, a whole lot. Oh, it, well, it's just more of the, like, we would hear alarms that went off, like where they would have like a timer. And if Pavel was teaching or anybody else was teaching, 
at all. Like you heard a timer go off, you had to run to a bell and do like 10 or 20 swings and then you ran back. So <laughs> you were always waiting to hear like an alarm go off and you had to go and run and and do like swings. So it kind of had a little bit of a boot camp feel. Yeah, like to a it. military style training. It was I like yeah. that. It keeps you up on your toes. It's like, let's go. You know, you're not sitting around with a notebook just to fall it was, asleep. It was, you know, it's what's interesting. And as uh I was, I think the last certification that they ever did where the snatch test was the first thing that you did. Mm. So that before it was you kind of did introductions, everybody was in a big circle, everybody kind of introduced themselves. And then Pavel says, All right, comrades, grab a bell and go outside, and you're about to do your snatch test line up and then just roll from there. But what happened actually in that time was uh, we had a guy who was in my group who like on his 90 something rep uh, uh, dislocated his shoulder or had a a bad shoulder injury. And then I think from kind of recognizing that they realized that a lot of people didn't have good technique going in. That's when they switched it over to the third day. So they could work with people a lot more on that testing because of that guy. It could have been. Yeah. It's I might be speaking wow. out of, it might be speaking out of school on this and stuff, but I remember that very vividly. And I said, I'm so, I was so happy that we'll get right back to this episode. But first I want to tell you about Nabosu technology. Nabosu is the leading company in foot care products created by the top functional podiatrist and human movement specialist, Dr. Emily Splickle and her team. Our feet are a connection to the earth and the foundation of all human movement. And it's often the most overlooked part of our body when it comes to health, fitness, and recovery. Personally, I never thought much of how the foot impacts my movement and strength until years ago when I found my intense sciatic pain I was dealing with was coming from a locked up midfoot and ankle issue. So after putting emphasis on this, my pain subsided completely. And since then, I've made sure to take care of my feet before anything else in training. I use the Nabosu Neuroball every day, whether I'm training or not, and I felt significantly better in both my barefoot strength training as well as running outside on grass and on pavement. Nabosu has the best products on the market, including the Neuroball, Recovery Socks, Splays, Activation Insoles, and the Kinesis Boards and Mats. So to check out Nabosu Technology, click on the link in the comments or go to nabosutechnology.com and use the code CONNECTION and get an additional 10% off your purchase. Again, that's the code CONNECTION. Use it to get 10% off. All right, now let's get back to it. I went before him <laughs> and was recovering from it because to see that and then have to go Ooh, yeah. do a snatch test afterwards is probably a little bit of a, you know, a mental mindfuck yeah, from there, but rough. yeah, it's, no, it is. It's, a, it was a very different type of certification for me because I mm-hmm. come from a Pilates and yoga background yeah. where all the certs, they're incredibly hands-on and they're much, they have a high attention to detail the way that strong first does, but they actually teach you everything from zero as if you've never come into the studio before. And uh, mm-hmm. at strong first, you came in and they expected you like the big six, they had, they expected you to understand the mechanics of a clean and the mechanics of a snatch. And by day three, if you're going to do a hundred snatches in five minutes, you better have damn well been practicing for months yeah. prior and had a trainer prior and had the really solid understanding of how to use a bell. So yeah. I did not know that. I, uh, I was in the Pilates studio in the back at Equinox and I had a buddy that was showing me kettlebells and I was like, cool. I mean, it's certified. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh, you ju- you're one of those that jumped right in. Yeah, I did. I mean, I love certifications. Like sure. I just love, I just want to pile on, pile mm-hmm. on more knowledge. And so I was like, I'm going to go there and learn how to do this. And I did not realize that you have to learn how to do it and then show up and, and show off your skills. 
even though like it was incredibly comprehensive i say i have nothing negative to say about it except for that it, i was uh unprepared like i did not know it was going to be mm -hmm. like that at all yeah what was that experience like then was it did you were you able to get through the weekend or did you have to do a lot did you have to do more afterwards actually to my everything the first sfg1 i i did i injured myself on day two so i was mm. i threw out like i pulled a cleans right i mm. hated cleans for my first year i just well i didn't get the point i was muscling the bell up the whole time it was all biceps you know and mm. um a, a lot of my work in pilates and yoga for the longest time was what you would consider grinds like there's nothing ballistic about it and i yeah. hate cardio like i always like the joke i'd rather be fat than do cardio you know um i'm just more interested in making pretty show like i have a dance background you know so i like yeah. i like everything's the beautiful and, and grace and graceful yeah right like i'm not i'm not sprinting marathons you know at least not right now so unless i have to so um yeah so cleans is something that it requires power you know and i just did not understand the concept so i'm muscling the bell muscling the bell and i eventually ended up hurting myself so i had to retake the sfg1 and i really actually liked doing that a lot because I had a solid year to practice, 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 practice. Mm -hmm. And I met this awesome community of people, like I said, like a, a room that was not just ladies, you know, doing pelvic tilts and talking about their feelings. And right. like, it was like dudes that were just like straight up, like I needed a little bit of that meathead mentality, I feel like because of sure. the decades that I'd been in the dance community and then in the Pilates, it's a very natural progression for dancers to move into Pilates because there's so much overlap. Yep. Um, but the, it just, it can lean too heavily towards the side of like, oh, well, my back hurts today and let's just stretch. And, you know, yeah. I, I've never been that type of teacher, but I, it's a it's, I'm surrounded by it. And so it was refreshing to, to have a little of the meathead energy, you know? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. I, I remember I just talked with uh, Megan Henry a little while ago. She's a mindset performance coach and she calls it the savage and the sage. It's like we both we need to have both of those together. Like there's the creativity and the flow and like that that type of energy. That's great. But like sometimes you need to go in there and you need to just have that savage in you of like go in and just, you know, grind it out. And there is something about just there is something about heavy weight and just really feeling what your strength can do. And when you feel a weight, give weight to your strength. It's a powerful thing. And uh yeah, so it's and it's funny when you don't experience that a lot to go into that environment, all of a sudden it's almost like a, whoa, it's like this, I was yeah. missing something here. Yeah, totally. And it depends on what your background is. Like, I, I feel mm -hmm. like if, maybe you talk to a couple of other people that come from a solid personal training background or powerlifting background where they're mm -hmm. just trying to pull hundreds of pounds off the floor. They could probably use a little bit more of our energy where we yes. come in and with heavy attention to detail and, you know, why your hamstring's so tight and let's figure out this uh, tendonitis you got going on or whatever it is that where we excel, you know, but, um, mm -hmm. but I was missing some of that, like heavy duty, like, let's just go energy. Yeah. So I appreciated that a lot. Yeah. Well, it's, a, you know, one of my favorite words is talking about harmony. I think it's a better word than balance, right? It's like, because if you are shifted so much to one side of something, like just getting a little taste of the other side and getting it a little bit more towards that baseline, like it's going to feel a lot more aligned. We all have both of the energies together, you know, it's that creativity. And then it's also, you need that deep structure where you're going in and you're doing, you know, some hard work. So yeah, I get it. I've kind of worked with, with both ends. I've had some people who just jumped in and uh, who have just jumped right into a certification, like an SFG. And it is a little bit different because it's, it's very, it's so attention to detail. Like I would tell people who, when I assisted, like, look, you've probably been training for this for a while. We're going to nitpick the shit out of you like that first day. And some people you see that 
that look of just like, oh my God, I feel like I've never done, I feel like I've never done this before. Like I'm getting critiqued on every little thing. It's like, yeah, no, that's part of it. Like we're going to over, we're going to over teach you at the first yeah, step. And but that's awesome how they do that. I mean, there's a whole book, this thick full of accessory exercises and mm -hmm. what do they call it? Specialized something like all those building blocks to actually get to the swing or the snatch or the plate. I was like, yeah. look at all these things. Cause you can't, if I have a client that walks in here for the first day, no body awareness, and they're just like, oh, I want to lift weights. Like, we're not going to start with a swing. There's no right. way, you know? So I, I mean, that those three days where I was like, oh, dead stops and hike backs. Exactly. And, oh, let's start with deadlifts. Let's start with the drill where you put your ass on the wall. Like that, those are awesome. You know? Yeah. No, I get it. It's well, and I think too, like when you, when you over prepare for something too, probably the second time you can enjoy it a little bit differently as well. Like you can get so overlooked certifications. I love, and they're great. But if you go in so blind to it, then it's like, you might just get into such an overload, like stimulus of trying to gather all the energy that you miss some of the fun and the joy, like you said, of just going and meeting new people that you're not around all the time. And mm -hmm. then you get some different perspectives. You get to meet some new people that might really forge, you know, a really cool bond. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, that it opened doors for me to a whole nother area of the fitness world, which is, I appreciate. And I mean, I don't want to give any kudos to Equinox because I don't love them for a lot of reasons, but at least that was an avenue that led me to kettlebells that mm -hmm. led me to strong first. And then I was like, wow, look at all these people. Cause I found like that, like you said, a bit of a balance where these heavy duty meatheads are, are picking apart my form. Like you said, like they, they would take kind of a Pilates approach, I would say, because mm -hmm. we have a really high attention to detail and they've, and they applied it to let's pick up hundreds of pounds off the floor. I was like, yeah, yeah, cool. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's cool. All right. Well, we're getting right into it. I want to uh, back it up a little bit and know a little bit more about you and your background. Like I know, I mean, you've done your SFG too. You have your company Nexus Studios, which is, you know, Pilates as well as yoga. What was the first modality of movement that you did? Was this something that you started early on as a child or was it something that you kind of got into later in life? Uh, well, I was like most little girls in America. I was a dancer. So um, that was my uh, professional aspiration for many, many years. Um, I, I didn't have any formal schooling education. I was homeschooled. So my, my only, like our social outlet and the, the time of the day we got to leave the house and go do something cool was, was time to go dance. And so that just became like, that was life. <laughs> dance was life. So that brought me to New York City, me and my, my older sister. And we, um, you know, we, we went for it. Um, and by the time I graduated high school, I was like heavy duty into my professional dance career. But also, as just about everybody in the arts world knows, there's no way to pay rent like that. So I was like, all right, let me let me figure this out. I'm 18. What do I do? My dad's cut me off. And um, and I was like, duh, movement. Like this, this is what I want to do with my life. So mm -hmm. I said, no college for me. Please just like let me go to Pilates school. My dad was like, fine. So okay. that's that I started teaching when I was 18. Okay. 20 years ago now. So went from dance runs from dance. And then the first modality of kind of training was in Pilates. Yes. Yeah. So I found a, a school that I really liked and, and there was uh, what you do when you're in intensive uh, dance programs is every time school lets out or when everybody else is let out of school, um, mm -hmm. you, you do these intense summer programs where you dance all day long, eight, nine hours a day. And all yeah. of those programs have embedded 
um, uh, complementary stuff, like things that make your dancing better. And one of those things was Pilates. So mm -hmm. most people in any semi-pro or professional dance space are going to uh, be exposed to that at a very young age. I started at 13 and mm -hmm. uh, it was just, it was required. Like you couldn't not do it because the risk of injury is so high, you know? Okay. Yeah. So there was a similarity of kind of already. And so there's kind of a bridge from dance to Pilates uh, immediately from there. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Okay. And anybody you talk to that's that's in that in that world is going to be like, yeah, either you're you're required to take classes or you took it as a supplement or you started in the teaching mm -hmm. profession. There's always a parallel career within the, within the arts world. So either people are going to go into movement discipline or they're going to style hair. Or they're going to do makeup, something that's related to putting you on stage and making you better at performance. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Was there other modalities uh, that you guys did too uh, going into dance? Was there things like yoga or like, I mean, you, they're so flexible. So I'm assuming there wasn't really like stretch classes or strength work. Was Pilates it? Yeah. Well, yoga, the thing is with yoga, it has, it has a quite a different goal than mm -hmm. um, the rest of these modalities that we talk about. And it's, it's gotten blended in with the rest of the fitness world since it's hit the West about a hundred years ago, um, because people love the asana part of yoga, right? As we know, yoga is a spiritual practice, got eight limbs to it. The goal of it is samadhi, which is self-realization. And this is very far away from being on stage performing. And in, and one of the limbs, one of the steps to get to samadhi is to do asanas, which is postures, right? So you bend your body in this way and that, and, and to the point where your joints and your um, your ligaments get so loose that you're able to sit and meditate for hours and hours and hours. This is this is uh, why it's this is why people like it so much. It it doesn't. I wouldn't say that it improves uh, um, uh, your dance practice. Oh, that's rough. <laughs> I feel like I'm, I'm, I'm why is that rough because it, it's just it's it's there's so much overlap so I I guess because mm -hmm. I'm not giving it proper credit like it just it just had it's a very different path it has different goals to why people practice yoga or at least why they did why it came about uh, originally but it yeah it, it's it's there is a strength component to it but right. it's so leaning towards making you bendy and flexible with the goal of having you sit for hours and hours without even remembering that you have a body and uh -huh. we already do a lot of that in dance and particularly in classical dance, which is what I was uh, studying at the time. So in okay. ballet, there's just so much stretch. So no, that was not a, that wasn't a, a side. So it's not, it's not really, it's not really going to, it's not really going to benefit as much of really improving your dance work of going into yoga versus doing something like Pilates. Yes, because Pilates is a little bit more based on balance, mm -hmm. like we were talking before, like balancing, in particular, the four S's is a, is a big thing in, in Pilates, strength, stretch, stamina, and stability, so that all your systems work congruently, right? So a joint can function optimally, full range with its full strength, which is full power. You don't have the muscle that's overbearing the amount of mobility you have. You don't have it so mobile and no muscle. It's like a really solid balance. Mm -hmm which is most beneficial if you want to be able to dance for 20 years without getting injured. Right. Right. Yeah. So you're like your early teachers in dance uh, from there, because like I've, I've heard kind of the stories of old school dance teachers that are really, really like tough and like disciplinary specifically in like the city type stuff. How was your like experience with your early teachers in dance? Was it very kind of rigid and very structured or was it a lot kind of more creative and a lot more flow? Um. I would say because my original discipline of choice was ballet, and this is this is like schools from the 90s, Joffrey Ballet. My sister was at the School of American Ballet, which are they're like 
old school, hardcore, like they crack you with the whip. It was incredibly structured. It was, it's almost structured to the point where they would pull the joy out of it for you because it's like your leg has to be yeah. here and your foot has to be bent like this yeah. and your turnout has to be past 180. And if you don't have your center splits, then get the fuck out of the room. Like we don't yeah. want to see you, you know. Um, some auditions that you could go to, um, they would just look at those things. They wouldn't even want to watch you go across the floor and do a combination to see what your stage presence is like oh, or to see okay. what your... Yeah. None of that. They just want to see how, what is your turnout? What is your, what do your feet look like? How high is your extension? How many times can you turn? Are you solid on point mm. shoes for how many hours a day without getting blisters? And then you're either accepted or not. So, yeah. so you a know, heavy amount of structure. You know, it's, it's kind of harsh, but at the same time, I kind of get it at the same time. Like, and it's, I mean, it is, it's tough. Cause if you don't hit those kind of prerequisites and criteria and they send you home, it's not good. But at the same time, like I can kind of understand like, Sometimes those things like we need to, we want to see these things first. And if you pass these first check marks, then, okay, now you'll go to the next stage. And I know that seems like kind of an old school thought process, maybe nowadays in there, but it seems like it still has some merit if you're really trying to you know achieve like a professional level. It does make sense, uh, I guess, in the respect that if you don't have these things, they know that eventually when you're going to get into a professional company, they're going to be like, sorry, this is not good enough. So they're saving you some grief, you know, right. five, six, 10 years in, like, why don't you go ahead and head to college? Because <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> your extension yeah. is not where it needs to be. Yeah, it was funny. My, my girlfriend tells me a story of uh, one of her friends was in the Rockettes and was telling about the story of auditioning for the Rockettes. And they just like line you up on the street and you have to be a certain height and they just have everybody kind of start doing the kicks and they just start pulling people out like from the street. And it's like, all right, everybody else, thank you so much and and mm -hmm. go home. There's no like... Hey, sorry. Like, you know, maybe next it's like, nope. All right. If we didn't yeah. pick you, yeah. I'm it's, sorry you go. It could be the most minute detail. I had uh, some of my girls, I have many trainers that work here at Nexa and one of them was a rocket for a few years and she's, she's beautiful, perfect body size, mm -hmm. perfect leg extension. She didn't get injured the whole time. And then one year they just had too many redheads and she's a redhead and they're like, sorry, Man, the arts, that the, was arts is, the arts is so tough with that because you could be doing everything right, but yep. you're just not what the person's looking. They're just not what the person's looking for. That's why they call it like you need to get your big break and stuff like that and kind of just get on yeah. the map. I like I kind of totally I totally understand where people are coming from from that. Yeah, it's rough. But that's why we have our parallel careers lined up because you yeah. never know. It's gig to gig. And one day, the next, everything changes, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So then you got into Pilates. Now, where where did you start coaching when you got into that? Uh, there was a school called Power Pilates that I worked at for several years, um, which I was grateful to find them because they were straight down from the lineage. So Joseph Pilates opened his studio right here on 8th Avenue in 56 in, uh, in the 1920s, 1929, like fresh off the boat from Germany. Oh. And he had that studio for 40 years. He lived in the back and he taught in the front every single day. And then uh, Romanus Krasinowska, one of his students took over for him after he passed. And then Romanus Krasinowska um, taught this guy named Bob Lincolns and that was my teacher at Power Pilates. So I'm grateful to have that, that stack of knowledge coming down yeah. from generations. So exactly what Joe taught is what I learned. And that's kind of why I wanted to go through strong first once I started digging into it, because I'm like, I want to learn from the source. 
you know, there's this saying where you got to like learn to wear a bra before you can rip it off. And like, I'm all for evolution and this intuitive learning and intuitive deciding like where to yeah. move your training programs into. But without that basic alphabet, what are these movements? Why were they created? What are they for? What is the goal of each exercise? What is the goal of this client that came in? What is my, like, why am I working out today? Like, am I just in a bad mood? Like, I want, I want some alphabet to work from. So mm -hmm. I found that really helpful to, to, to be at the source. You know? I love that. I love the analogy. I, this is the point in almost every podcast that I bring up the book mastery. People are getting probably so pissed off at me from that, but I love that book that Robert Greene talks about because of the apprenticeship phase, you know, where he says like learning from the source, like gaining knowledge right away before you start throwing out all the creative thoughts in your own intuition, which I love intuitive training is something I practice a lot, but you need to kind of graduate into that level. And mm -hmm. it's it's very quick now, specifically for people who want to jump right to that and start creating their own plans and their own programs. And, you know, every, anytime I hear the word, I'm revolutionizing this new thing. I'm like, what are you talking about? It's like, most, like a lot of the stuff that you need, like we found it before you just need to go to the source. So I love that you found that from Pilates and it seems like it was very easy carryover right into strong first. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I think I was itching for something new because there the school I went through has so much structure that it's almost a little bit. We have a thing in our uh, industry called the Pilates police and um, they will scour Instagram. They will look at any source they can find where somebody's doing something other than what Joseph Pilates set mm. set forth. And they'll be like, no, 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 yeah. no, 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 no. Out the door. Like you're, you're an imposter. You're you're just you're not you're not carrying on the method as it was meant to be and it's like it's like yeah okay but like I know there's these thousand exercises that he created within his lifetime and they're awesome and they can bring bodies to great balance and it help you achieve great things and the ultimate goal to live your life with ease is what, what Pilates is all about to be able to move and do whatever you want with mm -hmm. ease but there's also so much other shit you can do what right. if or what if my client happens to have a busted knee or a bad back or they're pregnant or they're 90 years old? Like, I need to be able to bend the rules a little bit. But here come the Pilates police to be like, you can't do that. So I, exactly. I think that it was so nice for me to find just something else where I could go. And I think that was another thing I really liked about Kettlebell Community is that they had a big old book of things that weren't the big six. Like, yeah, swings and cleans and snap. You can do them forever. Yeah. You have the greatest, strongest body, but... We can also do arm bars. We can also do bend presses. We could also do pistol squats and on and on and on and on, you know? Yeah. You know, I remember I worked with uh, Brett Jones assisting at a uh, SFG2 down in Florida. And there was some talk. Somebody was there. Um, he was a great, great uh, student. But he came more from like a, a GS background of like kettlebell sport, which is a very different movement base than hard style. And some people were kind of taught something was going on where I don't think anybody was talking negatively about it, but almost kind of like putting hard style at like a, a superior level from it. And Brett came in, who's the director of education is like, Hey, I can appreciate all different styles. And then he demonstrated like a perfect, like GS style snatch of it. It's like, yeah, yeah. is that the kettlebell sport? Yeah. It's kettlebell, yeah. It's kettlebell sport. And, um, it's you, you speak to anybody in that world. I spoke with Dennis Vasilov and Lorna Kleinman, like the best of the best ever in it. And the work that you do, the work capacity of what it takes to be a high level competitor in that world is insane. You know, to be mm -hmm. able to do a 10 minute snatch test, not putting the bell down, and you get one hand switch and you're doing 220 reps on there. Yeah, exactly. It's like, 
Lord have mercy. Yeah. And it's like, it's different, it's different from there, but I mean, there's like any, like any modality, there's going to be the zealots that come in or be like, this is the only, this is the only approach to go. It almost becomes a religion like that. And that's why I'd like talking to people like you, because I see the work that you've done of mixing different, you know, philosophies together and it might work specifically, but what it is, is it's a mindset of like, yeah, there's other things that you can take from to bring into your practice and you don't need to swallow the whole pill, you know, whole, but you can take other ideas from different people together from there. Yeah. I guess that you're right. It's in every discipline that there's this dogmatic view of this is the only way. And then they knock on everybody that decides to evolve out of that. I I don't know the um, origination of whether kettlebell sport or hard style. I'm assuming hard style was first because that would, that's Pavel's thing. And it came out of the training, the army, and then it went into that later on. You go into the, you go into the history. Actually, Jamie Lewis did a podcast with me a while ago about the history of kettlebells and the first a kettlebell picture ever is from like 4,500 years ago. It's like, so it's like way past the 300 or 350 years from when it's like uh, got popularized in Russia. It's like, this could go back farther than anything. You know, I heard it was a measurement tool for the farmers to figure out how much grain they had in the bag. Have you heard it? Could be, it could be. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's, you know, some of it was, there's a, oh fuck, I'm going to screw this up. Um, I'd have to go back and paraphrase what Jamie said, but there was a, I think a Byzantine empire emperor who would carry with him a hundred kilogram kettlebell and would do swings with it, like to keep, uh, to keep trained for battle because they were traveling all over the world, conquering, like conquering things. So these were tools that were the army was using to they you might know, have embellished around. that a little bit. Uh, probably, yeah, probably, yeah. It started with fifty, and then ex- exactly, and then just the telephone <laughs> game throughout history came around, and you know, and he was doing it with one arm as he was, you know, as he was conquering a <laughs> mountain. And exactly, you know, eat, eating a live cow, you know, like all wow. this type of stuff going on. But, but it is. It's like I mean, the history behind all these things is, um, you know, it's very vast, you know, from there. But, um, yeah, I mean, to go. To go back to it, yeah, I've learned so much from hard style work. I've learned so much from talking with people in the GS world and the competition and the work that they do uh, from there on technique, on mindset, on grit, on resilience. It's like you can take from so many of these different things. And if you do, I think what happened, I don't know, I'd be curious to think what you think of getting, if somebody becomes kind of a zealot in that thought, it's because you were probably searching for something so long to help you. And then you found something and now you feel good. So you think that that is the, like the thing that everybody needs in their life. Oh, why people become dogmatic about their discipline. Yeah, exactly. Because it really worked for their body in that time of need. And then they were like, this is the answer for everyone. Yeah. It's like, (laughs) it's like the, the intermittent fasting world of like, oh my God, like everybody needs to do intermittent fasting. It's like, well, maybe it's because you just ate less food and that's why you drop weight. It's like, there's so many different factors you know that can yeah. that can come into it remember so, did yeah. you see rogan and pavel that interview they did a couple of years yeah. back and pavel was just like i feel so bad for the people in the nutrition industry because it is a labyrinth there is there's genetic yeah. backgrounds there's the the gut biome of that day there's your stress level there's your thyroid there's whatever you know processed foods you i mean it goes on and on and on and on and on yeah. It could be what you ate when you five. It's it. I mean, it's, it's endless. So, and the intermittent fasting, absolutely. Did you just drop your caloric values? Did you switch over to eating more meats all day? Did you cut yeah. your carbs? Like no one knows the answer. Yeah. I really yeah. don't know that anybody knows. 
It is. It's like, it's, I mean, that type of world is, I think, so hopeless in so many ways because there's just infinite amount of different possibilities. That's why, like you said, like, I mean, having a structure and learning the structure first is going to be so vital. So I can get like understanding, like in the Pilates world, like, yeah, learn the the thousand movements in there. But once you know those, you know, it's my favorite quote from Kerry Campbell, know the rules like a pro so you can break them like an artist. It's like, so Kerry once you- Campbell? Yeah. You know, oh, Carrie? okay. Yes, I do. Yeah, okay. that's yeah. cool. I didn't. Um, did you interview Carrie Campbell? Yeah, I know Carrie and Brian very well. Yeah. Oh, who's um Brian? Brian Grasso, her husband. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Oh, cool. Yeah. So she was. I I worked with her for many years at Power Pilates. I mean, if we're speaking about the same Carrie Campbell, I think Pilates instructor. A, no, I think a different Carrie Campbell. Yeah. Oh, okay. So, okay. Yes. Okay. Okay. I was like, <laughs> no. oh, you've delved into this world before. I was. It's, it's, no doubt. No, I know Pilates from very afar, you know, from stuff, but, uh, so, but so getting back, so into your coaching then, so you work with Pilates. So how long did you do Pilates before you found kind of like the kettlebell world in the strong first world? Oh, let's see. Um, so I started teaching in, uh, 2003 and then, uh, I, I shifted in from Pilates into yoga 2005, got certified 2009. So it's, I gradually moved from Pilates into yoga realm and, but still doing both. Um, and then I moved overseas. Like I said, I was in uh, Senegal and West Africa for five yeah. years. And so that was, that was zero equipment. There was no gyms. There was no nothing. It was whatever I could do with gravity and the floor and soft earth. Mm -hmm. So that was all Pilates and yoga. Um, so kettlebells didn't come till I came back to the States 2015. Yeah. So okay. it's been about eight years. Yeah. So now, so when did you open your own studio? No. Um, so, um, I, I have a good connection with, with uh, a lot of my clients and, uh, I had one particular woman that I had been training for many, many years since I first got into the industry. And, uh, she was a lady of leisure, you know, so, um, it was a new project of hers. It was completely this, her idea. I, I was still in my completely in my dance mind. I was running a dance company at the time and I was back and forth between uh, Senegal and New York. And uh, she was like, let's open a Pilates studio. And so I was like, shit. Okay. <laughs> it's very happenstance. I, I, I wish I had like a inspiring story for you, but it just, um, it sure. kind of just developed out of, out of nowhere. She, she wanted a project to do because she doesn't work. And I was like, great. And I was her favorite trainer. So I was like, let's do it. So yeah. we, uh, we put a business plan together, which we had never, I, neither of us had business experience. Um, I've trained my entire life and uh -huh. she was an, an ex real estate agent and she was just like, let's, let's put this and that together. So, um, yeah, so we, we, we scoured the whole upper West side of Manhattan and we found the perfect space and we gutted it and built it out, we built showers and installed mm -hmm. these giant TRX yeah. things and bought, you know, tens of thousands of dollars worth of equipment and. We did everything a little bit backwards, though, because we bit off more than we could chew. We were like, let's get this giant space and everybody in the Upper West Side mm. is going to come. And I remember telling her like a year before we opened, I was like, we should really do some marketing. <laughs> we should let people know that we are going to be opening soon. And sure. for some reason, her and her husband just thought like that, that if you build putting it, money to the. Yes. Like, mm -hmm. let's open the doors and let's have the most inviting space. And she was about like fresh flowers and make it smell like perfume and we paint the whole thing white like the whole studio was white like, yeah, like a, white. Like a nice clubhouse white. yeah 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was kind of like a country, the country house of yeah. Pilates for her. So in like a wealthy neighborhood, and um, and so yeah, so so zero money was put towards marketing. Okay. <laughs> and uh, so yeah, so we hired an awesome team. We had great trainers, we had managers, we had front desk staff, and we opened the doors on day one, and, and we we're like, all right, now what? So I copied Equinox and we put a table outside and a couple of pretty in shape girls and, um, and, and that, that was it. You know, the rest is history. Now we have a, you know, 6,000 person client list and, and we, you know, a couple thousand people walk in here every month. So it it, it ended up building, but it just, uh, I definitely, if I was going to give anybody advice, I would say, don't do it the way that I did, you know, start small, like you should and, and build, you know, get a small space and grow and grow and grow yeah as the demand requires it is the vision the vision's exciting right of like opening up the big space and seeing everything in there but then the you know that balance between that and the practicality of what you do like it's there's there's a gap you know to fill that space up from that what were those early days like was it was it a stressful time or was it really kind of enjoyable you knew like okay i'm building this up and it's going step by step what were those early days like for you well it was a huge learning curve for me because um, I, I, like I said, I, I was homeschooled and and I'm, I have nothing but movement background, and so that is just my area of expertise. So I feel very confident in what I do. Like you put a body in front of me, and I can I can yep. do what I do. But you know, you put contracts and you know, a, a, a real estate agents mm. and 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 city laws. You know, like we were down at, at City Hall on Chamber Street trying to figure out how we could get a shower in the basement. And and yeah. you find out that a hundred years ago they had speakeasies and these uh, happy ending massages. And for this reason, it's like the most difficult thing in the world to open a gym now because they think you're going to be in the back, like doing something illegal. And it is, which has nothing oh, to wow. do with yeah. fitness at all. Yeah. But this is like one of the building blocks of like, how am I going to open what would be considered like a big box gym without um, yeah. going down to the, the mayor and rallying? Hey, can I put a shower in my back of my place? You know? Yeah. Oh, that's so anyway, so, that was just, go ahead. Yeah, no, that's, it's, it is. It's so crazy of how different perspectives can just be in what you think, like, you know, you think, yeah, I'm just putting a shower in, but other people who like are some decision makers are like, they think something completely different. I talked to Todd Durkin uh, not too long ago and his book, The Impact Body Plan, like the word impact has been such a brand for him. And he told me like when he first brought that to a publisher, the publisher changed the the uh, the title of the book to True Strength rather than Impact Body Plan because he said impact means car crash. Mm. And I was like, oh my God, like, I didn't think of that at all. Like, I think impact, like, how can you make an like impact? improving on somebody's life exactly. or making a, ch- a positive change. Yeah. Wow. And it is, it's, 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 you know, it's a lesson I always learned about coaching too, is just no matter what you do or the vision that you have about like something like somebody else's mind or perspective of what they feel about strength or what they do is quite, might be completely different than yours. So you can't assume that a person knows what you're talking about or what Pilates is or how great your place is or how good the flowers smell in the place. Like you gotta, like you gotta just work each person at a time. I remember when I used to manage a a club and I would manage the front desk and it was a lot of like young kids that came in, like the front desk kids and we would hire them. And like their job was really to be like the person that smiles at front. And I said, like the best thing that you can do is greet them with a smile and be like a positive force. 
Yeah. And I said, it's like, um, because, and I wrote down all the stats. I'm like, we have, you know, 2000 members in here. Like we have people who are coming in here from major rehabs from, you know, from knees and from heart and stuff like that. Like they're changing their lives when they're in here, they're spending hundreds of dollars a month to get their coaching, get their training. There's people that are doing unbelievable things in here. The, co- the trainers are amazing, but the brand new person that's just coming in for the first time knows nothing like right. that. All, all they know is you in front. Yeah. If, if there's you, a sour face in the front, they're going to walk right out the door. Like, Ugh. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So just kind of keeping that, like that focus of mind of just like, yeah, like every new person that you come, no matter how good you are, like treat them with like that, just positive response, put like, put a smile on or just greet them in a, in a nice way, because you never know what that, per- what mindset that person is coming through your doors. Yeah. I mean, you're, t- you're taking a more holistic look at, at what is the entire gym. And, and half of it is that you want to have a good experience when you come in and before you know your trainer, what, like, what is that good experience? You know? So some gyms like, like this one is small enough where we've been able to build a community. So mm-hmm. all the, when we take the people that take classes, the group classes, they know each other and they're like, Oh, Susie's here and whatever. And they're talking about their kids while they're waiting for the class to start. Like that's part of them coming back every week, aside from that, their trainer's good and that their injury feels better and their stomach is flatter. Like there's just so many aspects to this place being good. Like how cold it is, like how long I run the AC or don't run the AC or whether or not the toilet is stopped up from week to week. Like things that I would never care about as a trainer. I, I am like full force attention to now. Like just the way I I hire my friend S, like you said, like that's, that's huge. I mean, I'm a little bit biased. I like, but like when there's a pretty face there, it it definitely helps. But also the fact that they smile is huge. The fact they remember people's names, you know, oh, she gets a 10% discount. She doesn't like that's huge. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. I love it. It's like hospitality is, is one of those things. that's so exciting when, uh, when you really dive into it, I think that's so great. And people need to understand that more specifically and you have a brick and mortar business. Mm-hmm. So, so with your programming that you do, I mean, with all the different backgrounds that you do from kettlebell work, from Pilates, from yoga, how do you intertwine these together in your place? Do you focus more on one specific modality versus another? Uh, this is a loaded question. Cause yeah. that's like, since I, since I, uh, left Equinox, I've just been delving into like how many different things I can mix up. And sure. that was one of the things I was really adamant about when my, my business partner said she wanted to open a Pilates studio. I was like, no, let's open a gym. I was like, I want to have, I want whatever people walk in the door. I want to do this. I want to do that. I want to offer it because like we were talking about there, there isn't any one set discipline that's going to get everybody to their goal because everybody comes in with a thousand different goals, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I liked the idea that some people really love their cardio. Like a lot of people will come in the door and be like, do you guys have Zumba? And you know, I don't teach Zumba, but I would love to offer it, you know, and uh, mm-hmm. do you have TRX? Do you have kettlebells? Do you have Pilates? Do you have yoga? Do you have strength training? Um, I mean, we even do physique competition now. It's, it's, it's just so many different modalities. And I feel like there's a different spice for everybody. And um, so to, let me be a little more clear to answer your question. You said, how do I blend them? I guess I would say that. Uh, probably one of the best lessons I learned from becoming a personal trainer versus a Pilates person is to figure out the person's goal, whether it's, it's me like, okay, I'm Anna's Wednesday training. What is my goal today? Or what is my goal this month? And then when they first walk in the door to figure out the why of why they came in, Mm -hmm. I had a, I had a great teacher. I did this, um, one of the very rare, like uh, come in and sit down at, at a, like a school desk and learn how to be a personal trainer, as opposed to like, you know, sitting with your NASM book and then taking a test online. 
I did this, this school thing where you went to crunch fitness every day and you'd sit with this guy and he'd talk you through the personal training program. And he made us do these drills where we would convert the clients. You know, it was like, turn somebody off the street into your client, make them buy a 20 pack from you. How are you going to do that? And the most valuable lesson he taught me, his name was Mike Alicia. He said, uh, figure out the why, why they're there. And so we were all like, oh, yeah, we, we were role playing. So we we're making up different things. Oh, I want to lose 20 pounds. Uh, my lower back hurts. Uh, I just had a baby. I'm going on a vacation. I want to look yeah. good in a bathing suit. And he was like, no, 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 no. Why are they really like that's the that's the surface goal. OK, they want to lose 20 pounds. Why do they want to lose 20 pounds? What's going on in their life? Like what's going on in their psyche? Is it that they feel bad every morning when they get up? Is it that their relationship is not going so well? Like he would like these these things where they would sit down and convert people to clients took a little bit of time because they would therapize them a little bit. Like they would dig in and get to the, like, if you sat with me and figured out my real why of why I work out every day, like I'd be like, (laughs) I'd be, you know, I'd probably be in tears with whatever is the real reason. So anyway, so, so I guess that would be my, how I would decide, am I going to throw pedal balls to this person or TRX or Pilates, or are we just going to do calisthenics or are we going to do, rehab type stuff it's i'm going to figure out what made them come here why me why nexa what would you know why did you spend the money like you took time out your kids are at home you're not making dinner tonight you're here with me why and then once i figure that out then i'm going to make a soup of all the different yes you know tools i have in my pocket to help you get to your why i love that i really love that answer because it's you know, asking why, like just that next layer under is I've done that for a long time and it's so powerful and it still is, it's an uncomfortable conversation with people to have. Like if you're and you got to get comfortable asking that question, it's a challenging mm-hmm. thing to do, but like as a coach, once you actually sit back and not just say, why is it important? Just like throw it out there. Actually, as you just described there, like you're not at home right now with your kids. Like you actually came here out of your time. Like you Mm -hmm. said yes to an appointment for a reason and actually diving into it. And then once you find those reasons, then it's like, okay, I have these tools that we can bring into this to fit this reason a little bit more. It kind of, it's takes away from, oh, I go to a Pilates studio or I go to a strength training spaces. Oh, I, this is my place that I go for my self-care. This is where I go for me, you know, to really get strong. Yeah. And that's kind of why I felt like we needed to have so many different offerings because everybody's answer is going to be different for them, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and plus the school that I came from, as much as I love Pilates and will advocate for it forever and ever, it was so structured to the point where that wasn't one of the questions, you know, like they, they taught us everything from zero to you're an instructor now, go out, go forth and find your clients. And, and one of the questions when they walked in the room, it was just like, have you done Pilates before? And do you have any injuries? It wasn't, why are you here? So, so we had like a cookie cutter goal for everybody. We're going to balance your four S's. That's what everybody's going to do. Strength, stretch, stamina, stability. Oh, I see you're stronger than you are flexible. We're going to work on your flexibility, vice versa. You're, you're too flexible, not strong enough. We're working on your strength. So, so I would decide the goal or Pilates would decide their goal. I never talked to them. Like, this is Kathy. This is what's going on with Kathy. She has three kids, blah, blah, blah. Like I didn't dig in. Mm-hmm. So I feel like that I learned so much from that program where they were like, like, look at the person in front of you and teach them and bring them where they want to be. They spent, you know, however much money to be here. Yeah, that's great. That's so cool. You had that experience. You know, it's that difference between transactional and transformational, right? 
it's like, and the fitness industry is just, it's riddled with transactions. You know, it's mm. just this, this is our features and benefits. Look at our sauna, look at our studio. We're going to do the four S's. We're going to teach you the big six, whatever it is. If you focus yeah. on just this specific modality, then yeah, maybe you'll get some people who heard about it from a friend who did it and they're already kind of bought in, you know, from there. But mm. it's like the people that I used to always laugh with stuff. Like, I think I've literally had like three people in my career, like ask me what my credentials were in like training before we actually started training, just because we had a good conversation and we're just like, oh yeah, this is what we do. This is how we're going to help you from there. And it's like, I think that's, I mean, that's the big thing about training and about being a coach, right? It's not about all the knowledge that you have. That's good. It builds competence and it builds confidence, but people hire you based on trust, you know, and they Mm -hmm. hire you based on whether they believe in you and whether they think that you care about them. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if, yeah, if you're going to help them get where they want to go. Yeah. So what's your, what's your training like now? What are you, what are you focusing on for yourself? Um, well, I feel like I've, I've, uh, overdid it a little bit with with it. No, (laughs) zero, zero. I'm a a jack of all trades and a master of literally zero. Um, that's probably one of my bigger problems 20 years in now is that I see colleagues of mine that started when I did and they're, literally traveling around the world, teaching workshops and things on one specific area. But if I were to ask them to show me like a TRX exercise, they would have no idea. So, so I'm, I'm spread very thin and that's, that's, I don't know if that's a positive or not. Maybe it's got its pros and cons, but um, for my own training, I would say I have tried to hone in like, again, I'm a, a little bit of a Favel geek. So yeah. I was listening to him and he was saying like the simple and sinister and, and, and the minimalist, like just m- maybe there's one skill that you want to build on. And so when I'm coming in, like, okay, I'm finally done with my clients. I'm going to do my workout for an hour. And then I look around the room and like, if I could move my computer right now and show you the studio, there's just so much shit in here that I can get overwhelmed with like, oh, I want to do all this stuff. Mm-hmm. So, I, so I've decided that I'm going to, I'm setting my mind on a specific skill. Like I want to be able to do pull-ups with no assistance, you know? So, mm-hmm. so everything within that hour will be like, what upper body accessory drills can I do? Um, mm-hmm. Supersets or whatever to get me towards pull-ups. And um, I'm preparing for um, a strong first body weight search. So I'm doing all sorts of accessory exercises to get me to the one arm push-up, you know? Yep. Um, so stuff like that. So that way I can kind of tunnel my focus into one activity. Yeah. It's tough. It's like, if there's so many fun things that you can do out there and, and I'm, I kind of enjoy that, like the, that Jack of all trades, I think too, it's having different roles and kind of playing around with different things. I don't think it's necessarily a bad thing. I think you can kind of take from a lot of different, like we said, a lot of different modalities. I think that's the same thing with how you, you know, put communication out, you can do a podcast, you can write. I think both of those things can like balance each other out and you can learn more in one thing that will help you with another. I think it's the same in strength training work from there. So simple and sinister is, I mean, it's one of the best books to do. I was training for sinister for a long time. I'll probably go back to it at some point. Um, had a little injury that I needed to deal with from there, but yeah, that's definitely a blast. Yeah. So when are you doing SFB? Um, I, uh, where, what month are we in August? I think it's October. Okay. Something like that. So I have like a three months time span and I, I tried to do this before like six months ago and I egotistically was like, yeah, let me just, let me just look this up and I'll train my own accessories. And I, and I also caught an injury and I was like, uh, uh. so I went back, which is another reason I'm so grateful that I got to go through SFG one twice and meet all these awesome team leaders and Mm -hmm. different trainers that are in my area and then go through again and do SFG two 
um, cause I have like a support team. I feel like I have a community yeah. of people that I could reach out to. So I just called one of my people that I know was SFG elite. And I was like, how do I get to this one arm push up? Please help mm-hmm. me. <laughs> cause I'm going to hurt myself on my own. Yeah. So I can appreciate that. I, I, I know how much I don't know. And yeah. so, and, and the fact that I have people that I can ask for help is great. So, so now I have like a written program yeah. and I do this and mm-hmm. then do this. So I can, again, I can like laser tunnel my focus towards that. Yeah. It's a weird, it's a weird uh, movement to dial in because it's not just like building just strength. Like if you need to do like your press test for an SFG two, you can just, I mean, if you work enough volume and work on your technique, you're going to get there eventually. The mm-hmm. one arm, the one arm push up is it definitely, it's different. It's like, it's got a different type of just body connection and awareness from there. I learned so much when I went to SFB, I told Karen that all the time when I, went and see, uh, saw her that was the most challenging on my body of any certification wow. that I did before just because you know it's so I mean you, you see this like from all your dance background in Pilates too like when you only have your body weight and you have to create tension but you don't have an external thing like a barbell or a kettlebell that's forcing you to right. contract like mm. neuromuscularly it is a lot more challenging like Interesting. I've, oh yeah because like you have to tense up your whole body like by getting your mind to say, all right, body, like tighten everything up and mm-hmm. you work it. So I learned more uh, doing body weight stuff than I think any other certification SFL learned so much as well, you know, from there. I mean, it's a great system that they've built up, but yeah, body weight is, it's a different animal. I think you'll have a blast with that. That's very interesting. I think you just taught me something. Cause I, I, one of my, the big corrections that my coach was giving me is that I am just, I just overall am kind of loose and flowy which you'll see a lot in pilates and yoga like we have a we um advocate this huge breath these long inhales and these long exhales and my coach is like no 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 like breath retention like intra-abdominal pressure short exhales he's like tense up you know he does those drills where you hit a plank and he just knocks you around and i'm like this is so counterintuitive from what i did for decades you know Mm -hmm. so so then what you're saying about pressing a bell and it kind of forces you to be tense Maybe that's why that comes more naturally to me than, than the, uh, body weight stuff. Yeah. That's so well, I mean, probably, probably from your dance, I mean, from probably dance too, like from ballet, it's like, you need to, you need to be strong in your movements, but you also need to show grace in it. So you can't yeah. have this Softness. like tense, tight look. You need to be open. I, there was a guy I, I, um, I taught in SFG two who said that like he was a former ballet dancer and he said everything is about contraction and tense and tight where ballet is everything open, like, and you're, totally. you're inviting everything from there. So it's like, it's so, you know, contrast, you know, in both of them together. So hundred. Yeah. Cause performance, yeah. you're, you're literally giving yourself like whatever it is, your um, yeah. movement to your audience versus like I'm studying Krav Maga right now. That's another one of my okay. things that I'm kind of obsessed with like yeah. four times a week in the Krav Maga. And it, a lot of it is about, closing off to protect yourself and, yeah. and and it's just it's it's polar opposite yeah it's tension so, and it's hiding and it's backing yeah. off is creating space versus being like here you are yeah exactly yeah for you guys you know Man, you're di- you dive different. into everything you're diving into everything from krav maga into strong like you go into deep mastery work well i just i want to learn so much stuff and I, you know, I've been I've been attacked like anybody in New York. Like I've been uh, attacked many times in the street, and I just decided, you know what, enough is enough. But mm-hmm. um, it's pretty awesome. I, I yeah. uh, uh, the school that I'm studying at, it's uh, it's it's like um, smart. It's not even just like brute yeah. strength. Like let's punch a bag for an hour. It's like how can you just take somebody's thumb and break it off yes. so that 
like they can't take your wallet because they're screaming in pain, you know? Yeah. So um, it's my new fascination. Like I love my kettlebells, but I kind of like, if I have an hour, I'm like, do I go to crop or do I? <laughs> there you go. Oh man, that's great. So, yeah. well, I mean, it's so, it's interesting when somebody is kind of a jack of all trades and almost like a professional student and dive so much in there. Like sometimes it can be, you go f- so focused in on the knowledge work when you still have a business to run, you need to focus on your clients. And the fact that you, kind of nonchalantly threw out there a 6,000, you know, client, you know, client base that you work with from there. Like that is a freaking huge number in there. So the success that you've had in the studio and the work that you did is so admirable and it's really awesome. So um, I really appreciate you taking the time in it. This has been an absolute blast having you on. So thanks so much. I really appreciate it. Oh yeah. Yeah. I appreciate you having me. Um, yeah. If you need recommendations, man, there's a I, mentors galore that you could talk to that tell you tons more than I will ever know about these things. That's awesome. But, Great. Yeah. So if people want to like follow your work, kind of check out stuff, if they're in the city, want to check out Nexa, what's the best place that they can go and check you out? Um, well, they can find us online. It's Nexa Studios.nyc. I'm on Instagram, Nexa NYC. You can find me on Instagram. I'm the Anna Clark. Um, and that's about it. That's, that's the extent of my, my internet presence. You know, I'm, I'm very much about like, I want you live in my space. I want hands on bodies where I can manipulate you and, you know, have you right here. That's great. Awesome. Anna, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Listeners go follow Anna, check it out and I will see you on the next one. All right. Peace guys. Thanks a lot. Thank you so much for joining me today. I hope you found some great value here. And if you like this episode, please drop a comment and leave us a five-star rating and review. It does more to build the show than you can imagine. And do not forget to check out and join the Strength Connection Facebook group. In this group, I share the biggest takeaways and lessons from these amazing conversations, as well as training and strength tips for pursuing mastery and fulfillment in life. This group is filled with individuals looking to take full control over their strength, and it's the perfect space to explore new ideas and to share your journey. And you'll also get exclusive access to the Strength Connection Mastery Seminars. It's a deep dive into the physical, mental, and spiritual training that you can begin using immediately. So do not wait. Go now. Seriously, go. I right, much love to you. Thank you so much, and I'll catch you on the next one.